Hello, hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Troublemakers Podcast. I am your host, Jason Francis, and I'm really excited to finally be uh, recording this. I'm definitely excited that whoever you are, that you are listening to this right now. Um, This is uh, something that we've been working on for maybe about a month or two, and it's a project that I am excited about because it's creating a space, hopefully, it's going to be creating a space for those of us who... Um, might be considered troublemakers in 2020 uh, contemporary Christianity. You know what I'm saying? We're the ones who are asking the very difficult questions. We're the ones with the divergent thoughts. We're the ones who are seeing church operating in one way and we're saying, hey, this hasn't been working for a long time and we want to see a different approach. Isn't the God that we serve versatile enough, creative enough to be applicable and relevant for living life today, right now, in this moment? And a lot of us, when we step out like that, we're labeled the troublemakers. We're labeled uh, the problem. We're we're labeled the, the ones who are trying to lead people astray. So we've decided to take ownership of that title and just say, all right, fine, call us what you want to call us. Call us troublemakers if that's what you want to call us. But what we are really about is passionately and seriously looking at what ways we can adjust what it means to be a believer today because we're tired of simply accepting that this is the way it has always been done we're tired of accepting that well you know christianity has a long legacy so we have to continue to hold to this thing and we got to hold up the way that things have been done in the past we have to hold up the particular way that we've been thinking for so long now bump all of that we're done with that we're tired of that we want to experience faith in a relevant and meaningful way today that means being honest with the ways that that um Christianity has been flawed, the ways that it has been damaging to community and society, the ways that um, we have to own the mistakes and the incorrect theologies that we have supported and possibly even believed in the past. That that means that we have to be willing to throw out some things that may feel sacred but aren't actually. Let me tell you, our group is so interesting because uh, we're such a diverse um, team of people. You know, like some of us are still actively in a pastoral ministry right now. Some Some of us have walked away from that world and aren't, uh, you know, quote unquote, in any official ministerial capacity at all. Some of us have independent ministries where uh, we are kind of working things out in our own way. But for portions of our group, we don't even really rock with the name Christian or church anymore. We can't even stomach it anymore. That's not all of us. And that's not saying that that's what we believe that everybody should be um, embracing or saying. But what we're here to do, what we're willing to let this space be before is having difficult conversations just like that like hey maybe we need to throw the whole christian brand away and start from scratch hey maybe there's some ideas that we've been carrying for a long time that we no longer have to walk with anymore hey maybe we can say that the church is a destructive thing and there needs to be something else built in its place that's what we're all about here at the troublemakers podcast facilitating these very difficult 
and hard discussions in a way that is, you know, we're not really here to try to give you the answers, but to really just kind of give our opinions, to give our perspectives, to shed some light in it. And hopefully y'all can pick up the conversation as well. And we can hear from you because our God is big enough to hear our questions. Our faith should be strong enough to be challenged and examined and worked through in difficult spaces just like this. So that's a very long winded intro. I'm not planning to go so hard at the beginning of every single episode, but for this one, I just wanted to set up what it is and who we are. You know what I'm saying? So today's conversation, um, I have two uh, uh, two of my favorite people, to be honest. Um, they're two independent ministers. I'm going to let them introduce themselves in a little while, but I just wanted to come up here at the top, say welcome. I'm so glad that you're listening. I'm so glad that you're coming to be a part. Listen, if you're one of those people who you as well have just been feeling like, yo, I really this is a simple explanation if you're one of those believers who when you tell somebody yeah i'm a christian but i'm not like this type of christian this this podcast is probably for you if you feel like you have to add a lot of caveats to to what it is to be a believer this this podcast is probably for you so welcome we invite your questions we invite your comments we invite your perspectives and i'm just so glad that you're here oh also do us a favor please like this thing uh put a comment on it if you can and please uh subscribe for sure i want you to subscribe but if you can in um if you're using this thing on itunes i don't know google play as much but in the itunes podcast apple podcast thing uh it's very helpful if you leave us a review i hope that you leave us a nice review but whatever review it's going to be helpful as far as um helping us to kind of get seen by a bigger audience so that's my little housekeeping step at the top uh i love y'all and let's get right into this thing what has been your COVID-19 lockdown guilty pleasure? Okay. Yeah. So whoever can start first. Maybe it's first over. Oh, I'm, I'm a gentleman. Okay. So it's who I am, yes. my ministry, and my yeah. COVID guilty pleasure. Okay. So yeah. I'm Kara. Um, I am, I guess, a leader of the One Rule Church. Um, we don't really go by like formal titles and pastor. Know, whatever um but i'm a leader um and we just believe that love is the bottom line the the one rule the most important thing um in life is love unconditional love um from a godly perspective and yeah um my covid guilty pleasure has been Probably just like binge watching shows. I've binged watched Married at First Sight. Okay. Um, that that was that. Yeah, that is really guilty. <laughs> and me and my husband watch. And I don't watch all the but we watch Love and Hip Hop. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> like religiously, Love and Hip Hop Atlanta <laughs> and Love and Hip Hop Hollywood. I'm sorry, but we do, and it's hilarious. And the funny thing is that especially Love and Hip Hop Hollywood is like maybe two degrees of separation with mm. some of the characters and it, not characters with some of the people and there's a couple people who my husband actually works with now oh wow so That's it's crazy. it's pretty crazy like <laughs> we we enjoy it immensely and we yeah we kind of i don't want to we don't judge but <laughs> We kind of judge. <laughs> That's part of the fun. Like, why else watch? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's fun. It's all in good fun. You know, like, it's all in love. It's all in fun. But yeah, 
Hey, okay. All yeah. right. I think a lot of us have been picking up like reality shows during lockdown. Because it's, it's like you get through all the series, you know what I'm saying? And then it's like, right. all right, I need to, I need some trash. <laughs> yeah. And we've I've been re-watching stuff like Flavor of Love. Oh, oh my yo. goodness. Wow. <laughs> we are learning a lot about you today. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're judging me. I, I can feel the judgment through <laughs> through the interwebs. Oh, no, wait, what have you been watching? It on because I may actually go check it out. Like, Hulu, is, Hulu, it's has on Hulu everything. Hulu yeah. has has Flavor of Love, um, um, Rock of Love, Daisy something or other. I love New York, um, Charm School. When I say everything, oh, this is everything. You're exposing yourself more now too. It's like, <laughs> right. So, you know, all the shows I've been watching. Gotta keep. We gotta keep it real, right? Like authenticity <laughs> and transparency. <laughs> Hulu needs to send us a check for this. Uh, right. right. This, this yeah. free promo. <laughs> Troublemakers sponsored by Hulu. I will, I'll put right. it in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, speaking into existence. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> oh, well, we're happy to have you with us today. This is, this is going to be interesting. All right. I have my brother. All right. So my name is uh, Lawrence Front. Uh, I guess you could call me a pastor since that's like a Christian leader, right? Yeah, he's one um, of my pastors. Yeah. Uh, I pastor a fellowship called the Friday Experience, where we believe in um, experiencing God, not just knowing about him, but experiencing God in a very relevant way so we can better know ourselves, our community, the world, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that gets me in a lot of trouble because <laughs> I'm not really into tradition. Um, now, as far as my guilty pleasure for COVID, I don't have one. I really don't because <laughs> <laughs> the way that you guys are like sanitizing and washing your hands, I've been doing that since Lorenz has been born. Lorenz is my oh. two-year-old son mm. and um, he was born with a lot of birth defects and he had, up to date, he had like 16 surgeries already. Wow. So we've been sanitizing and washing hands and changing clothes when we first come home. We've been doing that for two years. So when COVID hit, we're watching everybody else. It's actually quite annoying because now Clark wipes are sold out and that was like oh, our yeah. thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it hasn't, for me, hasn't changed. Yeah. Wow. And were you like working from home already pretty much? Um, well, see now I'm, I'm an essential worker. So I have been working from home, but the work that I do, I'm allowed to go because I have to go to court off, uh, courthouses. And even though courts were closed, because I deal with like probate records, that court, I guess it's considered essential, essential. I don't know. They stayed open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so I was able to, uh, to still do the work that I do. Now, some county offices, they changed, uh, some courthouses, they changed their system where they now allowed um, remote access, which mm-hmm. is like great for yeah. me. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm loving that. Of course, they charge more, which sucks for me, but... <laughs> You know, pros and cons, right? Pros and cons. Right, so it's right. it's been it's been it's been dope, but it hasn't been different. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The COVID nineteen world. All right, that's that's interesting. So we were really introduced into your world from this this pandemic. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all wasn't going to the uh, grocery store anyway. It was always either me or Abby while the rest first of all, I got five kids, right? So we're all not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> unless we have to go if we don't have to go one of us will go maybe right. another child but yeah we're not we're not seven of us i'm not gonna be flying for the next 18 years 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've right. years. Like, no, kids it's carved are expensive. Out. Kids are expensive. You it's got true. five. Five. And we're That's done. a whole basketball starting lineup. Yes, and they're all gonna learn something. LJ's gonna be the drummer. All right. Um, gonna have. Naima probably sing. Look, we're going to be a band by the end of all of this. Right. <laughs> That's what you need. <laughs> the other side, post-COVID. Right. <laughs> no, start a YouTube channel. That's where all the money is. Come on now. Man, listen, got to get it while it's here. Yes, right. sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, hey, thank you. Great to have both of y'all troublemakers on here today. Um, I wanted to, for our first um, podcast, I really wanted to jump on conversations that I've seen you all be in in the past. Matter of fact, all three of us have kind of been in significant conversations Mm -hmm. around this particular topic. Mm -hmm. And that is, why is it that people are leaving the church? Cara, I remember maybe, I don't know if it was, was it like two years? I I don't know when it was, but I remember like the weekend or moment where you posted online that you were like, I'm- It was actually like four years ago. I was like four years ago? Yeah, and it was a thing. It was, it, was a thing. <laughs> it was a thing. <laughs> it was a thing. It was a thing. It was. And so we have kind of all been in our different ways. And just to, I guess, put out the background, we all kind of come from a Seventh-day Adventist background, mm-hmm. you know. And um, in our own ways, we've been put in that box of like, well, these are those who have left the church. And what has been the case is for a lot of us, we're not the only ones. There are many people who have, quote unquote, left the church. And so the big question that oftentimes comes up is, why is it that people are leaving the church in y'all, y'all's opinions? Oh, you're or just yours perspective. Yeah, I'm just asking. I just, I just want to hear. <laughs> That's such a loaded question. It is a loaded question. There's, 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 there's so many reasons. And I think... I, maybe I think it may be helpful to address like a common misconception, which is that people ah. leave the church, one, because they uh, you know, live their lives and do what they want to do without any accountability. Um, or they, you know, have experienced maybe what is like a, I guess like an isolated incident of, of people being mean or not being Christ-like to them and, and that one incident or, you know, like isolated, whatever, like mm-hmm. is what pushes them out. And I think that that is, is, I, I think I had initially, I thought that that was maybe like not really what happens, but I think just over time, I've seen that that is the case for some people, but I think more often than not, um, the issue is people having questions mm-hmm. and kind of digging into just the logistics of what uh, a specific belief system entails and, you know, researching, thinking about it and coming to the conclusion that it doesn't necessarily add up mm-hmm. um, and, and feeling like it's, it's not authentic. Mm. And in real and true to who they are to persist in in this belief system. And for me, the reason why, so I was calling myself actor. Yeah. Even even as like my beliefs were evolving, um, I, at some point along the way, it was like, what is an Adventist? An Adventist is someone who believes um, in the second coming and is awaiting the second coming with great anticipation. Right? Like it's it's not this set of doctrinal beliefs it's it's a movement or it's a, that's 
that's what I believed it was supposed to be. And so I still call myself Adventist because I, to this day, I believe that the second coming is nigh. I believe that, um, you know, we should be anticipating, greatly anticipating it and looking forward to that. Um, but at some point, it kind of just registered that being a Seventh-day Adventist comes with certain territory. Mm. And the Adventist church can only change so much before it ceases to be what it is. And for me, it was just kind of like, at what point is the issue that I'm just not this thing? At what point do I stop trying to change the entity and make some make the entity something it's not? Um, and just kind of own who I am and, and accept that me being myself and authentic and, and being, you know, real in my relationship with God. Yeah. Um, at what point do I just, you know, acknowledge that this isn't that. My mm. journey and my experience has outgrown this entity over here. And it was, you know, just something, I'm not a, I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist. That's, that's the long and short of it. If being a Seventh-day Adventist or being a Christian even means this list of things over here and I'm not that, then I'm and and I think for a lot of people there's you know kind of like a disconnect in trying to I think there are people who stay within their denominations or you know whatever even though there are a, a, a long list of caveats a long list of things that they don't subscribe to they stay in it because it's what it's what's familiar and they don't know how else to identify themselves and i think that there are people who don't call themselves certain things because they recognize that saying labeling labeling themselves as x means taking on all of the things that most people associate with x and so i can't call myself this if i'm not willing to take on all of this stuff um and so i think for a lot of people it's just easier um, and, and it's more authentic and real Yeah. to say that, you know, I am whatever I am. Like for me, it took some time, but I, I found agapism, which is, you know, the, this belief that love is the highest moral imperative and mm -hmm. kind of leaving the details to each individual. I, I found agapism because I needed to find something that correctly labeled where I was in my own journey. And agapism is that, um, and I, di I didn't want a long list of caveats. Yeah, yeah. To be frank, I didn't, I didn't want to say I'm this thing, but this long list of things over here doesn't apply to me. <laughs> like, I wanted to be able to say, like, I, I genuinely am an agapist. I'm a Christocentric agapist, which means that my belief that love is the highest moral imperative stems from my belief in Jesus as the Son of God and, and the sacrifice that he made for humanity. Um, but the bottom line is not the sacrifice. The bottom line is this idea that God, or this belief that I have that God, is love. And that is the, the linchpin of, of our, our human experience on this earth. So I'm curious, because then I, I really do want to hear Laura as well. But I'm curious, how long would you say that journey? Because you're right, it was four years ago. And it's making me feel old that I thought, I was like, oh, that was like, what, like two years ago, right? Like, no. I was in my 20s, but I'm like, oh, wait, I'm kind of moving past that now. Like, you, you kind of put it in context. I was like, right. four years ago. <laughs> but um, how long, because I know that 
the you've had the last four years, but there was also mm-hmm. a journey that led to that moment where mm-hmm. you public and I saw some of it because I remember seeing the conversations where you you'd be, right. be asking hard hitting questions and people would be getting upset and tagging other people to jump in like it's Facebook is right. this interesting space. <laughs> but right. how, how long would you say that journey was to where you were like, I can no longer be authentic in this space, so I have to transition? Mm-hmm. So I started, I had my conversion experience where like I kind of accepted God for myself and really began experiencing God for myself for the first time um, in 2010. Mm. Um, and we started our own church in November of 2019. So it was a nine year journey to getting to a place where we were like me, not just me, but like my family was officially separated from the Adventist church and Christianity in general. Mm. Um, But the time period from like my conversion experience to me as an individual, not no longer identifying as Seventh-day Adventist was six years. And then me no longer identifying as Christian was a nine-year process. So it was right around the time, like right a a few months before we started the church, that I came across agapism for the first time. And yeah, so it was um, six years and then six years of of getting out of Adventism and then an extra three years before I stopped considering myself Christian. Okay. And a nine-year period uh, before we moved away completely yeah. as a collective, and so it wasn't—it was my family, but it was also our our home church. I, I want to say most, if not all, of the members, maybe the, with, with the exception of maybe one or two people, mm-hmm. um, our Adventist church transitioned out of Adventism as a group. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't aware of that. That is very I wasn't aware of that either. Yeah. 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 Like our congregation is is pretty much the same people we've been worshiping with. That actually in my in my opinion, and you could correct me on that, that actually sounds like it makes the transition a little easier because mm-hmm. you know, social ties, social connections make it real hard to kind of leave what you've always known even if it's wrong. Thousand percent. You know, but if you're able to still worship with those who you've been worshiping with, it's kind of like, yeah, we're just upgrading, if you will. You know a hundred percent. And and I think for us, like I think there was I think I think for a lot of people like there ideas that they have like they've had like bad experiences you know with like their church community and I I didn't have that with my immediate church family mm-hmm. um I from the beginning in my even like my parents you know they're kind of like journeying with me in real time they were nervous about what people would think of me as mm-hmm. I'm you know transitioning out and I was just kind of like you know, I have to be who I am. And every mm-hmm. step of the way, it was nothing but support and, mm-hmm. and love and, you know, not viewing me any differently than they did when I was super Adventist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was, you know, the church, I think it was the transparency of our family journey 
the collective, um, you know, kind of like encouraging them to journey themselves. And so when we were ready to make that transition, it was, I think that the reason why people were willing to make the transition with us is because they had been present for that entire mm. process. Um, and they had, they were learning with us in real time because we're sharing. You know, it's not just I'm studying and learning and, and growing on my own. It's I'm studying and learning and sharing yeah. as I'm, I'm growing in myself and, and not just sharing the biblical or spiritual implications, but the real life stuff. Like they were present for literally all of it. Ooh, wow. And and so, you know, I think just like having that perspective on and, and knowing our hearts and why we're doing what we're doing and why we're evolving, like seeing the process as it's happening in real time. Um, I think all of that was relevant. And for me, like when I, when I talk about, and I, I, I want to differentiate this because this is maybe kind of like a misconception when I say like I've, I've evolved past the church, it was not my home church that I needed to evolve beyond. Those people were always in my corner. They always believed in me. They always supported me. When I say no matter what, I mean no matter what. Their respect for me as as an individual, as, as someone who had a relationship with God, listening, like being open to, to my teaching and, and my experience, like being open to what I had to say, my experiences, and believing in me through all of that, you know, the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, my church family mm-hmm. was never the issue. Never, not Ooh. once were they the issue. The issue was the culture at large mm-hmm. and in the community at large mm-hmm. that I was, you know, put into. That's the greater Detroit Adventist community and mm-hmm. the Oakwood Adventist community. That was where my my disconnect was. Not my my immediate church family because they knew. Me. Yeah, yeah. They had an intimate knowledge of me and my journey, and they were supportive to the extent of leaving. Mm-hmm. When that's ultimately, you know, what my family decided to do. They have been with us hundred percent, and they they get it. Yeah, yeah. To this day, like I just spoke on Saturday, and they get it. Yeah, like they oh, <laughs> like <Are> you, right, <laughs> when right. I tell you, like they get it. Like I, I, yeah, because that's a part of it too. You know, like communicating and not being understood to to be to be home is to be understood, mm-hmm. and to be able to communicate in the way that I communicate. And these people, because they know me and they know my heart, like they, yeah, yeah. they get it. That's, oh, that's beautiful. And not a lot of people can can say that that was their experience, at least not with their home church, you know. So right. That, that is beautiful. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, this is this is informative. I didn't I didn't know any of this <laughs> I had no idea. We're all learning in real time right now. Right. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Man. Okay. So so law, how where would your mm-hmm. uh, I guess perspective be on this idea? Well, I would I would argue that um, first off, everything that Kara said, pretty much I agree with all of it. I don't have anything to challenge at all in what she said. So, uh, without sounding redundant, um, I would I would also deal with those who um, who never really knew what 
if we come from a from a overall Christian perspective and even from a denominational perspective, they didn't know what it meant to be either Christian or either whatever their denomination is. Mm-hmm. And so because most of the churches who I've worked with personally, um, they they make it seem so simple to be a part. And then once you become a part, all of this pressure to change who you are begins to happen. Wow. And the support um, to change starts to decrease. See, when you're not a member, you'll have 10 people calling you, checking up on you, seeing how you're doing. And then it's like, once you join, it's like, all right, you, you've joined, so you're good. And now nobody's checking on you until you do something wrong. Then when you mess up, mm. you get all of these phone calls. All, and so it's like deceptive, really. You know, mm. um, is it just believing in Jesus? It, apparently not. Now I have to quit this and I have to quit that. And, you know, they, they start off by saying, yeah, you know, Jesus will change you. You know, just come and, and, and get baptized. And he loves you. It's like, right, cool. And then, you know, you get baptized. And then it's like, okay, yeah, he needs to change you now. You know, like now, now that you're baptized, now, stop, all of it, just stop, you know? And it's like, <laughs> where do you, you know, like it doesn't work like that. And so a lot of people, they're leaving because they've been bamboozled. I'm going to keep it 100. They, they was, That's they a was thousand. Fed, you know what I mean? <laughs> they, they, they was fed a lie in terms of what it oh, means. Oh, man. Part. I'm just going to keep it a thousand. No, my dad says bamboozled, run amok. Right. Like, <laughs> wait. <laughs> it, it's it's the truth and I know for, for my own personal experience growing up in it um, and what I've learned see because if, if we if we talk biblically speaking yeah, talk yeah. biblically speaking right 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 um, to be a believer is to make a choice right? mm. but when you talk church culture you can be born in it right and mm-hmm. so that's like I didn't have a choice so a lot of people are leaving because they have the choice now to leave. <laughs> when, oh, so you're preaching. You're preaching now. They didn't have that choice. And I know for me, I was told a whole bunch of stuff about what it meant to be Seventh-day Adventist that I believed because they did a good job in indoctrinating me and keeping me sheltered from other pieces of information. Mm. Um, everything I knew about everyone else was what they told me. Mm. So um, when you when I didn't know what I didn't know if yeah. uh, mm. so once I, once I started knowing um, and not just knowing in a in a in a knowledge sense because God blessed me to interact with a plethora of people mm-hmm. you know from church folks to to street folks right it's yeah. just a plethora of, of people so I always had some type of knowledge but I thought I knew more than what I actually knew. And so mm. when, when life hit me hard, mm. that's when I started realizing that I don't know as much as I mm. thought I did or as much as I think I should because yeah. this isn't working, you know? Yeah. Um, and mm. um, and kind of like what Kara said, when I, when I fell in love with Jesus, it wasn't at church. It was, it was in my apartment. Yeah. Um, and I was probably smoking a blunt for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I was, I was, just, I wasn't trying to, I got, I got to a space like before I fell in love with Jesus, I was really good at performing. Once I kind of fell in love with him, I learned really what the sacrifice meant for me. It was in, it was in my apartment. Mm-hmm. I was reading the book of John and it hit me and I was like, wow. And it was then that I made a vow that 
I'm not going to try to be anything. I'm just going to keep on walking and searching with you. Mm. You know what I mean? That was me personally. And so when I started getting revelation of stuff, I'm sharing it in the church thinking I'm catching up because I still thought, you know, yeah, we know everything, right? But I'm sharing it thinking, I'm sharing it like, hey, guys, look, I'm catching up. And they're looking at me like, oh, we've never thought of that. And I'm like, what do you mean? I've been in the church for like 20 years. Like, what are you talking about? This is like the basics. And so it took, it took, like when I went to Oakwood, I was in the height of accepting Christ. Mm. It took from there to about 2012 uh, for me to start realizing that I probably need to no longer be Seventh-day Adventist. Wow. Wow. And it was it was because I was going for leadership. I was going to be a pastor just on the third. And a couple of things I learned is no offense to anybody who's a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. Right. No offense even to the schools. But what I've learned is the schools don't they don't teach about the spiritual things. They only teach you about the the doctrinal apologetics. Mm. Like let me teach you mm. how to defend what we believe. Mm. And you know, I needed to know how to tap in you know, how to hear God, how to see spirits. Like that's the stuff yes. I need to know, how to cast yes. them out. And there's no class for that. It's more yeah. like everything is in theory, right? Wow. Um, and then the the need to, to control everyone as if we're all the same, mm. I couldn't get with. I just couldn't get with because when I, when I look at creation, you know, and I'll use the, the analogy of flowers like all the time. Yeah. Because there are a plethora of flowers. They're all flowers, but they're all different. They all grow right. different. They all need different things to grow. Mm-hmm. And they're all perfect in how God made them to Preach. be. And I, mm-hmm. I just felt humans were the same. Like, I, I, I could love Jesus in this way, and you could love Jesus in your way. And there should be an underlining thing that says we love Jesus. But we can still look very different. Listen, the underlying thing be the same. So that was that was my sermon this week. Like yes, that (laughs) like oh man, like oh yeah. So I'm learning. Like it's oh man, I'm just I'm getting so full because that's it. That's the crux, right? Like. That those differences they exist and we don't know what we don't know and we don't know what we have to unlearn and yeah, and yeah. the process has to be different yeah, like yeah. it it's it's illogical completely yeah. illogical to assume that everyone's process is going to be the same and it has exactly. to be different and it's it's spiritual things are spiritually discerned and it, yep, it yep. if you if you have that discernment you get it and it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't have to have a theology degree. Yep, yep. That, bottom, that bottom line is always there. And it's, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy to me for you to be saying this because it resonates with me so much. Like I, I get it a thousand percent. I get a hundred percent where you're coming from. And it's like, we just take it for granted. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that those differences exist and it, it can't be the same. Right, it can't. Right. And that's Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It's like it's okay. Fine. Like, it's, right. That's not a problem unless you make it a problem. Right. And because God is going to get everybody to the same page regardless. Like, it, it, exactly. and that's his job. And that is his job. It's and we're his still going to look different. We're still going right. to be different. Right. So it's, and know, it's cool with him. So why is it an issue it, amongst yeah, ourselves? Exactly. Like, oh my gosh. Like, that, that's yeah. the proof that we're not operating in the But this is the people, this is why I say Lawrence can be my pastor. I don't mess with pastors like that but Lawrence like I rock with Lawrence heavy I yeah. do I do so so yeah I don't think people are I, I think I don't think people are leaving the church I think people are, are leaving 
what, you know, corruption and deception mm. and being misled. I think that's what people are leaving. I Like mm-hmm. being in the world, for someone who like is in the world, they they have more faith than the people sitting in the pews. Mm. I've seen them trust God in areas that most people would have quit and probably killed themselves. I've seen mm. these so-called unbelievers believe more, you know? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I, I don't think they're leaving the church. I think we're in a season where like big corporations like denominations are starting to crumble mm. and they, they want to continue to use their fear tactics to maintain their one human resource, which is their only revenue stream is people. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, let's save our pockets by saying they're leaving the church. And maybe the generation younger than them would be afraid to leave too. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't, and of course, I'm not, everybody leaves for different reasons. But I think most of the people who left, they just realized, yeah, I shouldn't be supporting something that doesn't represent me. I shouldn't mm-hmm. be supporting something that doesn't even really serve me or help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just going to stop. Like they just realize, I don't, I don't right. have to do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And man, to even what you're what you're getting at, I would say that to my surprise, when I did step away from the larger body of Adventism. Because, you know, I'm saying like I had gone through, uh, I went to Oakwood as well. I went to the leadership track. Answering the question now, right? Right. Yeah, I guess I I, But, you know, when you're in that space, this was a topic of discussion even then. Like, you know, there's a back, I remember, I remember literally sitting in a lecture that was saying that there's a back door to the church where Mm -hmm. that our college students seem to go to where, where they go off to college and then they leave out and they never come back to the church. You know, they leave mm-hmm. home, they go to college and they never come back to church. How do we stop this from happening? How do we get them back into the fold? And I remember being very concerned about it as well as I saw some of my friends leave the church, quote unquote. And then to my surprise, when I stepped away, <laughs> I found all these people who were just heavy believers. Like they're, they're every, for almost every single person, it seemed as if their faith had simply leveled up to a space where they could no longer feel authentic in this congregation anymore, associating with these labels anymore. And they just felt like they had to step into a totally different place. And so even what, um, well, really both of y'all kind of touched on this. Like for me, the, um, the idea for me was that I kept hoping because I was an Adventist pastor and I was very passionate about Adventism. And I will say to this day, I appreciate what Adventism has done for me. I'm so mm. grateful that I was raised in the church. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, I'm so grateful for what this community has been to me throughout my life and has meant to my family, all of that. But it got to a place where I felt like I was trying to, exactly like Carl, like you were saying, I was trying to change it to be something different. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, um, I'm looking at my worldly friends and I'm looking at them. And I'm like, I don't see how they're going to get from point A, which is like despair, <laughs> to Ooh. point B, which really should be Jesus through all that we've put in between how what it takes to get. Right. There. That's what it's supposed <laughs> to be. I was like, I literally, I remember I was at Oakwood. No, I was at Andrews. And I had a friend of mine who battles heavily with drug addiction, heavily for years. And she only knew that, Jason, you're a positive person in my life. And I know that there's something to this God stuff. Where should I go to church? She lived in a, in a different city from me. Mm. Called me up. She was like, I think I want to get out of this. 
where can I go to church this weekend? And I literally remember thinking to myself, I don't know where I would send her. A genuine person in struggle right now, there's no church I could think of in my hometown that could actually serve her. And so I kept, you know, I I went through that process of trying to change it, of trying to be like, oh, come on, how about we try programs like this? And I saw them each get shot down. I saw them not be taken seriously. And then that verse where Jesus simply says that new wine needs new wineskins. There it is. That thing hit me and I was like, oh, why am I, why am I grinding my gears trying to, trying to literally do it? And he said it. He said it yeah. so perfectly. Yeah, he was yeah. like, you both are going to be ruined. <laughs> like, yeah, you, yeah. you're going to ruin both of them. Just, just separate it. And that became my whole philosophy of let me just step away in order to reach more people You know, and in this space, I saw all these other people who stepped away. And so this is the next question that I have for you all then. Do you think that there is something unique about this time and season that we're in? Because, of course, generation. Absolutely. Yeah. Ten thousand percent. Absolutely. (laughs) There is no question there. I mean, people like, you know, we like to say people are waking up. Um, I believe, I don't know if it's a planetary thing. I don't know if it's because Christ is coming soon. All I know is people are hearing and seeing things that used to be very hard to hear and see. Mm -hmm. Like they're they're picking up on it without any real practice, without any real spiritual discipline. They're just like noticing that that life is different. You know what I mean? And um, when it's death, yeah. I mean, we could argue prophecy, talked about it. All I know is, Everybody can sense that we're living in, in a different time. Listen, when you have multiple dystopian, and this is youth, like it's not just random novels, this is youth-centric mm-hmm. um, novels, multiple, you know, and it's different I and it's different ideas about what this dystopian post-apocalyptic society looks like. It's like, I feel like everyone, and this is years in the making, right? Like yeah. World mm-hmm. War Z, like zombie apocalypse. Um, um, uh, I forget what the name of that show is, but Walking Dead. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's in TV, it's in our media, it's in our books. Like, I think everyone feels that something is yeah. coming. We're approaching mm-hmm. something and it's just a question of what and what has to happen. For me, the idea was always, even when I was Seventh Day Adventist, it was like, what are we, how do we prepare mm-hmm. for what's to come? Yeah. Um, and that's ultimately what created the shift. It was viewing it from that perspective because prophecy is, is what? If nothing, if nothing else, it's to tell you what is gonna happen to, to give you the opportunity to prepare. Absolutely. And to make the decisions that need to be made so that you can be ready when whatever happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And so from high school, I read every book, every every fictional novel that um, the Adventist Book Center had. Mm. about the time of trouble. Every single one owned them. Every one. (laughs) When I tell you Adventist, Adventist. I I wasn't that Adventist. (laughs) Because for me, but for me, it was fascinating because like, I love dystopian stories. I love this idea because I like, you know, like I'm, I'm fascinated by like World War II. I was a history major in college and it was because of things like the Holocaust and, and slavery and what has to happen within a person to be able to overcome mm. just the most horrific and depraved um, um, attempts to strip away a person's Ooh. humanity. Like, what do you have to do? What has to happen Ooh. inside of you to be able to survive something like that? And Let's from see. a child 
Mm-hmm. It always fascinated me. And so mm-hmm. to have the spiritual element kind of added to this yeah. fascination where it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's the same, you know, scenario, but it's, it's, it's spiritual persecution. Mm-hmm. Like what, what do I have to do to be ready? And so mm-hmm. from a young age, I was always in my head just as just an objective interest and then bringing the spiritual aspect into it and having these books and, you know, these different authors kind of, you know, sharing their different takes on what could possibly happen and having characters who are my age, you know, 14, 15 years old in these stories, um, you know, and, and how they're vetting, you know, their spirituality during these, you know, trying times, um, just wanting to be ready. Yeah. You know, that was, that was the motivation. And so like in my transition out, um, there are aspects of things that I learned or contemplated back then that are still relevant for me today. Mm. Um, I think that there's, you know, overlap in all world religions in terms of, and that's why love for me is the ultimate, you know, moral imperative because I think every world religion has some aspect of the golden rule. Every world religion teaches, you know, more or less do unto others what, what's done unto you. And, and when you look historically, Mm-hmm. At, the, at like a World War II or a slavery or and who was on the right side of history. Mm-hmm. It's always the people who understood that and who mm-hmm. said, you know, despite our differences, despite, you know, whatever barriers may objectively be in place, I know what the right thing to do is because I know what the human thing to do is. I know what the loving thing to do is in the situation. I'll put myself in harm's way. Mm. If it means being on the right side of history mm. in this situation. And I think we're in a time now as things are becoming more and more polarized, just like as a, as a history person, like I'm not a theology person. Like I, I didn't go to theology school. I'm you know a history major for undergrad. I went to law school. Like that's my perspective. That's how I view things. And yeah. it's like, just from a historical perspective, um, we, we, there's like an ebb and flow. Right. Like like people, you know, there's there's war, terrible war. There's bloodshed and, and, you know, blood running through the streets and and just, you know, anarchy and chaos. And then, you know, that bloodlust settles Mm. and and, in the aftermath of Mm. the damage and the carnage and just seeing how destructive humanity can be. We say never again. never again this is never going to happen again and so we're all on one accord we work together you know we move forward we progress and there's this time of peace and and Mm -hmm. progression and you know those differences are still there but they're they're secondary to the big picture and and progress and moving forward and and so we do that for a time but then we get comfortable And and as we get comfortable those those nagging differences that were kind of in the the background now you know we're comfortable and so there's time to start thinking about that stuff and and for them to become bigger and bigger and bigger issues that become more divisive and before you know it yeah we're back at square one you know this sounds like a relationship listen like, you know, because like when you're in a relationship and you get too comfortable, then it's like the most minorest thing mm. comes magnified because you, you have the space to magnify it, you know? Right. <laughs> and so it's mm-hmm. not until like both of you have to unite for a greater purpose that you that you start seeing the good in the other person. And then it's like, oh, you know, I actually do like this person. You know, like they're really mm-hmm. not that bad. You, I love them. Right. Man, you know, right. <laughs> you're in the honeymoon and so then in context. comfortable. Yeah, so I guess our whole human experience is just one big love story for real. But that's the point, right? Like and and I don't know, like for me 
like my I had my conversion experience and the question was like what is God trying to show you about God in all of this and the conclusion I said you know was I guess that God loves me Mm. and and I was encouraged you know to kind of pursue that and you know I just started with first Corinthians 13 and Mm. and just reading it objectively because I hadn't read the Bible objectively I had always read it in the context of my indoctrination and so just reading it I was like love is the bottom line it's like it's the first few verses like the first three verses of the book it's like you can have all this stuff Mm -hmm. you can prophesy you can die you can martyr yourself Mm -hmm. for the cause and if you don't have love it means nothing absolutely nothing and so just kind of like internalize i'm like what are we teaching yeah like why yeah. i'm like reading this and i'm like why isn't this like why isn't this the the linchpin why isn't this the yeah. the focus of everything we're teaching and then you continue down you know and read further through the book and, and what it says love is and mm-hmm. and and that you know now abide these three faith hope and love three things yeah and mm-hmm. all the you know time and space and all the other stuff that goes into this three things abide mm-hmm. faith hope and love and the greatest of those things is love and time, history, culture, religion, everything. If you're, if you're open to it, everything supports this conclusion that love is the greatest thing. And I believe, I believe in an infinite God. I believe in a big, a really, really big God. Yeah. And the only way any of this makes sense in, in the of a God whose essence is love mm-hmm. is if love is this transcendent thread mm-hmm. that everyone not only has the the opportunity to experience but but has the opportunity to give yeah. and if we're judged based on our our choice to or not to love then it makes sense mm-hmm. then it's fair mm-hmm. because because there is no excuse. Yeah. Because there is no world religion, there is no culture, there is no country, there is no human being on this planet who does not have the opportunity to receive and to give love in its purest form. Mm-hmm. And 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 for me, it was like this idea that like you're only responsible for what you know, and just the arbitrariness of mm-hmm. all of it. Because it's like if if Adventism is the truth, Let's and I'm see. I'm born into Adventism. And I have more access than this person who lives on the other side of the world. Then I'm held to a higher standard right? Right. than this person who's born on the other side of the world. And I didn't ask to be here. Right. I didn't ask right. to be born into an Adventist family. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask mm-hmm. to be exposed to what I've been exposed to. And so you, this is all God. Yeah. You yeah. put me here and, and it's because of you that yeah. I'm being held to a higher standard according to these people than this person who lives on the other side of the world is. Yeah. And this person may make it into the kingdom and I don't because they didn't know yeah. all of this system. But they right, but they did what they were supposed to do with what they were given. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I have struggles because mm-hmm. I have church hurt yeah. and, and yeah. I have baggage and I have all this other stuff and yeah. and excuse my She's perspective of you. Mercy. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but but I can't make it. I can't spend eternity with you because I'm human and I'm flawed and I'm finite and, and my circumstances that you had control over, yeah. you know, messed me yep. up. Like I, I can't, and I won't, I refuse yeah. to yeah. accept a, pers- a pers- perspective on God that teaches that because it's not fair. And from a legal perspective, <laughs> from a legal perspective, according to the law, <laughs> heaven needs an appeals court 
<laughs> because oh like if if the idea is I'm like all everyone is going to proclaim how just and fair and good and true and all, all your works are and all of this I can tell you I won't be doing that you can send me to hell in a, uh, on a slow boat you can send me on a slow boat but I won't be proclaiming nothing I will go I will accept my punishment but you're arbitrary you're not fair you're a sociopath and I don't want in an eternity with you because you're crazy. Yo. Like, and you're a jerk. That's that's where I'm landing. And I don't because, like you. Right. Because <laughs> none of this makes sense. No. But if if love is the bottom line, mm-hmm. then that's fair. Yeah. Right. And then, and, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying no, like that. Yeah. I was going to say like that was one of my big revelations for me as well when I realized that, oh, the God that I serve is way more gracious than the rest of y'all. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Like that was that was a pivotal moment to me. Like even when I was like, oh, like the gospel is way more flexible and open to people than y'all's programs are. Like yeah. those two things alone, I was just like, oh, like it just it just doesn't line up again. Point A is despair. Point B is like a saving relationship with God. And we get we there's so much now that has been built up mm-hmm. in between these two places mm. that makes it seem like exactly like you're saying, we have now almost taken God's name in vain. You know what I'm saying? Like we're presenting. Not almost. Like, no, we have, right? We have. And, and what does that mean? Like it, it's like, oh my gosh, like but just reading for myself, I'm like, what are y'all reading? Like, what are yeah, you? Nah. They're like, not reading, and like, I think that's is- the problem. The problem not reading, and I know from a from a ministerial perspective, it was for me what kind of really got me more certain was when I went to Cali. Mm. And while in Cali, I was doing Bible work. For those of you who don't know, Bible work is when you go door to door, try to convince people to get baptized and come to church, right? So mm-hmm. I was doing that, and I would get in conversations with people who would generally connect with me, right? Mm. Generally, like they'd be like, "Wow, we'll be talking," um, and then they ask the question, "What church?" Yeah. They'd be like, "Oh yeah, you know, Adventist church." Da-da. Oh no, never mind. They completely shut down. Wow. On me. And it wasn't because of me. Yeah, it was because of the church I was affiliated with. So after a while of that, I started asking myself, "I could probably reach more people." Yeah, if I wasn't affiliated with them i might be able to actually serve more people and help them in whatever because they're open to it Mm -hmm. they're just not they just had experiences and i don't want to be an ambassador for organization i really i literally want to just be an ambassador for god like i don't want to represent other people and so um absolutely i i think that people are leaving um and, and people are waking up to the reality that if judgment is based on these made up arbitrary man-made rules and interpretations, then I'm already going to fail because this doesn't even sit right with my spirit. And I've heard people tell me this Christian thing is not for me. It's too hard. Mm. And I would, I would have to undo the damage that some church did because they're giving up and they're giving up for all of the wrong reasons. If that Mm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, no, you don't even have to do all that. Like, who told you to do all that? Well, the pastor said, I mean, right. like, man, I would cuss right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't listen to that, you know? And that's just, right. I've yeah. been my experience. Yeah. And I th- But I think that that's what it, that's what I think it means when it, the Bible, or when the Ten Commandments say, like, don't take the, the name of the Lord in vain. Like, yeah. it's it's claiming to be a representative of God, representative of God in your name. 
yeah, and, right. and, and you're, you know, using this name to bolster your opinions and your personal beliefs. Um, and meanwhile, you know, alienating people from God because you're alienating people from yourself. Yeah, yeah. And there is no different. There is no you know, differentiation between God and and the people who claim to represent God. Yeah. And, and, I and think there has to me, be a difference. There has to be. But it's, be. it's so much easier said than done because, mm-hmm. you know, as, if you claim to be a representative of God, then, you know, that may be the only, you know, version of God that people see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm encountering this Christian. And, and for me, I think it was illuminative to you know kind of interact with atheists and and people who are agnostic and you know who didn't necessarily believe in god but allowing what i believed to just shine through and to just be human and and to interact and and to you know i like you as a person i have to believe the same thing i like you and and to let that be the thing that that drove me and i remember like it was like my first or second year of law school. Um, but I had a friend who was agnostic mm. and, you know, we had had, you know, multiple conversations about religion and stuff. And at the time I was still Adventist. Um, but I was, you know, I had evolved in my thinking and I remember her saying like, I don't really believe in God, but, um, and this is like a Facebook post that she did. Cause I'd like given her a gift for Valentine's day or something, something small. Yeah. She's like, I don't believe in God, but, if I were to believe in God, um, you know, it would be like this and I'm blessed mm. to, you know, I'm lucky to know you or I should say I'm blessed mm. to know you. Wow. And it was kind of like in the, like that kind those kinds of interactions where it's like, yeah, yeah. has to be bigger yeah, than yeah. it has to be. big if, if, because if, if someone's experiencing me, particularly someone who doesn't know, Right. And that's why for myself, I don't feel like at this point, it's my job to try to change the minds or the hearts of people who are indoctrinated. It's to bring a different perspective on who God is. I believe my purpose is to bring a different perspective on who God is to the people who need God. Yeah. And and feel like religion or, or church has been used to create a barrier mm-hmm. between them and God to, to show them that God is not what these people over here say that God is. Um, and just kind of, you know, experiencing for myself just what being kind mm-hmm. and loving like we don't mm-hmm. we didn't see eye to eye. We, you know. And just like we had, you know, some tough conversations. And I remember too, like, it was like we had a tough conversation. She kind of like messaged me in class afterwards. She was like, you know, I don't want us to like not be friends over this. I'm like, no, like it was just, you know, we believe differently, but it's not a big deal. Like I love you as a person, it's whatever. And she's like, yeah, I'm not used to being able to have those hard conversations and people, you know, still wanting, you know, to be friends with me. And it's like, for people who are open and who are just, you know, they're not trying to project anything onto you. They're just being, uh, I feel like there, you know, there, there should be room for those questions to be able to be asked and, and, and for the, that those differences to exist and, and God to be bigger mm-hmm. than all of that. And, and I think the issue for me with organizing is more than just 
you know, like the doctrines and the details, it's the limits that are put yes. on God. Yes. And that the Ooh. fact that I cannot believe, I can't believe in an infinite God wow. and be an Adventist. I can't believe in an infinite God and be a Christian. Wow. And, and so I have to be a Christocentric agapist yeah. because for me, that's the only label that allows enough room mm-hmm. for me to believe in a God that is as big and as powerful mm-hmm. and as infinite as, mm-hmm. as I need God to be. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's frustrating when, because I don't think people understand that what, that their beliefs are a direct reflection of who they say God is. I don't mm-hmm. think that there's enough understanding surrounding that. And, and I don't, I think one of the bigger issues for me with people who are Christian or within organized religion is this inability to, you know, really understand how their beliefs limit God in a way that logically conflicts with who God is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not need a superhero. I'm not worshiping Superman. Mm -hmm. I'm not worshiping Batman or Spider-Man or anybody else. Like a superhero is, is still flawed and finite. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if they are an elevated, you know, human. And a lot of what I hear about God is like Mm -hmm. God as a superhero Mm -hmm. and God has like mental health problems Mercy. and Mm -hmm. and God is not as smart as I am. Mm -hmm. And if that's the God that, like, you may be comfortable with God being that, and if if you feel obligated to worship a God who isn't as smart as you are, then, you know, there's not really much I can say about that to you. But um, for me in my house, yeah, no. It, it just, I, I need God. I need a very big God yeah. to believe. It is a very big God. Then. It's supposed to be. It's supposed yeah. to be. But I need to believe I need yeah. a God who is smarter than me. Yeah. I need a God who is more powerful than me. Mm-hmm. I need a God who has foreknowledge. I need a God who is smart enough to be able to use the gifts that he has to the advantage, not just of himself, but mm-hmm. the, the children he has that he claims to love. I need a God who has a plan mm-hmm. and isn't reactionary mm-hmm. and doesn't make mistakes and screw up and who's not an egotistical maniac yeah. um, and a narcissist and a sociopath. I need a God who is great and amazing oh. and loving and awesome. I need a God who is that. And if your conception of God conflicts with a God who is all of these things that I need him to be, then yeah, I can't. Sorry. It's interesting because that sounds like, um, it sounds almost like a dating profile. It's like, <laughs> My man got to, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no, but you know right, what? For real. <laughs> but, I, I, but I love because it's like, um, and this is the contradiction. And we're getting ready to close in a little bit here. Yes, I can't help but sound like a pastor, right? Even, yeah, man, you just right. stop, man. You're <laughs> <laughs> still a troublemaker, though. You're still a troublemaker. Right, no, we're calling all kinds of trouble right now. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So let the appeal music start. Lawrence, where's the keyboard? <laughs> I know, I got I to gotta dust it off, man. <laughs> Yo, but it's like that, um, because it that is a contradictory notion that people will have because we will say that God is bigger than us. We will say that he's smarter than us. We will say that he's more loving than us. Yet when it comes to the practicality of it, you're right. We'll put a, I like you saying superhero because I would have said like Zeus. I feel like we a lot of times think about God like he's like one of the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. 
for sure. It's kind of petty, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, well, he's mad at me, so I got to do this. But when you think right. about, like, how is it that the God that I serve, who is supposed to be love, could, could not love me more than I love my children? When my children mess up, my grace is almost infinite. Almost. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though? It's like, how can I think of, of the people that I have loved and I have cared about and have been willing to go to the ends of the earth in order to reach? Right. How is it that I can't imagine that this God would not go exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask or think? And yes. when you start to think like that, it does become hard to be like... The God that most of Christianity presents to me doesn't seem to fit that. Right. You know, doesn't. not doesn't. So he doesn't. He doesn't. Wait, right. He doesn't. No, that God has mental. I'm telling you, that God has diagnosed mental health disorders. <laughs> because we've I'm made that God you. in our image rather than the other way around. Yeah. Right. And not just that, we've been taught. You know, in organized religion, when you're dealing with organized religion and why people are leaving, right? Right. right. When you're dealing with organized religion. In order to maintain the organizing of it, you need to create a brand, you need to create a culture, and you need to control that brand and culture. Mm. So in order to be organized, you have no choice but to set limits. So the problem isn't the organizing. The problem is when your organization becomes who God is. That was getting good, right? And it was good and it was still about to get good. Trust me, where he's getting ready to go is going to be very interesting. But I'm going to cut it right there for today. This is going to be the end of part one of our first podcast. Part two will be posted next week. I know this has been a really great and interesting discussion today. And I want to hear from y'all now. I want to give some space for y'all to speak to us. So please, wherever you're listening to this thing, if it's on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, wherever it is, please jump in the comments. Let us hear your thoughts i want to hear your perspectives i want to hear your experiences i want to you know chop it up with y'all so please thank you so much once again for listening share with your friends tag your people to this thing and make sure that you look out for us next week with part two of this discussion